Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And today's topic is leveraging the Agile Manifesto for digital transformation. So companies are trying to transform their organizations digitally, and they are doing so because they want to change their customer experience and build some competitive advantage and other things because of which someone will go digital. But then in, in parallel, in many cases, they're also trying to bring agility into the organization and trying to adopt the agile principles. But wouldn't it be cool if what you're doing in the digital transformation space, it could also leverage the principles that were laid out in the Agile Manifesto and it becomes an Agile digital transformation initiative. But easier said than done, two different animals, two different constructs, two different types of changes we need to bring about. How do you do it? What would it take? What kind of collaboration, communication, political, and otherwise struggles that we might face before you could make this happen? To discuss this, I have with me uh, Nicholas Colisto, Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Avery Dennison. Hey, Nick, how are you? Good, Tanjag. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. The pleasure is mine. And I also have Kevin Jones, who's the Chief Information Officer with Indiana Department of Child Services. Hey, Kevin, how's life? Life is well, and I appreciate being here to share. Absolutely, sir. So, Nick, let's start with you. So, whenever we speak about digital transformation, it's it's truly about a fundamental change that you want to bring about in the way organization is, is designed and operates even down to the very business model. But then you talk about agility, which is more about how you were to make anything better, like more collaborative, faster, flexible, and even self-organizing. So both of them, if you look at individual initiatives are very involved. They are also going to be, could be at times tedious or uh, resource consuming. So would you say that since both all come, almost every company can say we can use both, should they even try to do both of them together or first do one and make that as a platform for the next to get the best outcome? Yeah, my, my short answer is that the two journeys are really interrelated and, and I think they should be done at least in parallel. But if I, if, if I were given a choice, um, I would implement agile and agility practices first while, while helping the company to take a step back and define you know, their digital ambition. Um, and because I think agile is more of a means to an end, right? So I, I, would, I would define that digital ambition first. Um, and I think it might be helpful, helpful to step back a bit and just kind of clarify some terms that we will we'll probably be tossing around during this call. I, you, know, you mentioned digital transformation. And, and to me, it's, a, it's, and I think just as, you, as we all know, it's, it's this type of journey that has the ambition of pursuing new net revenue streams, new products and services, right? Which is different from digital business optimization. And I'm kind of pointing this out because at Avery Dennison, we're doing, we're doing both as, as most companies are doing both, but we, you know, we have different practices in place to, to attack these. And with optimization, it's about improving existing business models 
through productivity and, and revenue generation of existing products and services, the customer experience, those sort of things, even employee engagement. And, and so agile leadership is about building teams that use agile principles you know, in their processes to deliver these, these outcomes, you know, whether it be optimization or transformation, right? So it involves a clear vision, a, a culture of learning, um, you know, shifting from a know-it-all culture to a learning culture, um, experiment, lots of experimentation, adaptability, multidisciplinary teams, and I would even say a pioneering experience. So, so, so putting it all together, my recommendation would be for companies to step back, define their digital aspiration, right? And you can do that by conducting workshops, which we're doing a lot of these workshops around the world um, as we continue to, you know, further our digital ambition. And at the same time, you can develop agile software development practices and apply, and apply those practices to smaller efforts, you know, lower risk efforts, proof of concept experiments, and build some muscle memory so you can exploit these capabilities uh, across the teams as you take on the bigger challenge of, of transformation. Kevin, what have you seen? Um, I'm sure in your uh you know, work that you do at Indiana uh, Department of uh, Child Services or any other place where you've worked in the past. What is more important or more? So, so you, let me take a step back. So based on what Nick said, he said, okay, we have to have a transformational effort that should go in, in because it's at the business level. We should you know, dream that up and have a strategy in place. And when you try to execute, then you bring a job. But would you say, isn't it too late? Because by that time, people are hard to trot to go after digital, but they are not going to be agile in the way they work or their agile muscle may not have been built. Would so, that in any way be counterproductive? And so, so I think I, I kind of agree with, with what Nick mentioned. I think that for us, our agile transformation was motivated by a requirement to do a digital transformation. So that motivation to do your overall transformation was there. And what we quickly understood and discovered was that um, when you're doing agile you uh, and, and building systems, you also have the understanding of how do you get inputs from the business and grabbing the inputs from the business requires that agility. And then also reconditioning the business to understand that the outputs are going to come different than what they've come in the past. So it also requires a business unit to understand how agile products are delivered to them. So I think it does require this uh, uh, a parallel type of process of implementing. And for us, what we were, we had to do was to get our business to do that. We had to get them to do what you mentioned. First, they had to define that they were going to become a lean organization and lean being our continuous improvement model, which is the agile perspective and then getting us to align our people process and then our technology digital transformation together so we did start with the people and process transformation of agile and then bringing in at the same time that digital transformation and that digital roadmap of collecting data and inf inputs and then delivering outputs to the business unit so i do think that there is a chicken before the egg and i do believe that you have to at least get the business ready mentally to consume and to provide uh, agile inputs and outputs. So Nick, you know, when you talk about business and especially in digital transformation, the context or the business case that people try to put out there is, you know what, it's going to transform your business for good. You're going to generate new revenue streams. You might be able to shave some costs or whatever. That's going to be money. 
coming to the business and everybody's eyes open up and say, yeah, let's do that. And, and that journey could start, you know, as soon as it's possible. But then when you say to someone, well, whatever you're doing, whether digital or not, we just want you to do things faster as if they did not have enough on their plate already. What's the motivation for anyone to think about agile and even if there seems to be a business case, a theoretical business case that you do something faster, that means your you know, time to value is reduced and your cost may be less or people become more productive. But who wants to adopt it? Who, who wants to embrace uh, speed, which will just make things worse for them as the day goes by, they have to get 20 things done versus 10? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question because I think as you contemplate taking on digital tr- business transformation, there is an incredible amount of risk that you're taking on, right? These are capital, these are capital intensive programs for the most part. They're very time consuming, required many resources across the organization, lots of, lots of coalition, uh, cultural changes, right? Third party providers. So think about all the risk you're bringing on, right? And then when, when you, when you may be, when you, when you're faced with those kind of uh, challenges, Sanjog, you might, your natural tendency might be to go with what you know, go with the traditional waterfall project management. And for, dish, for traditional projects, um, management is used to doing what? They're used to like, creating these contracts where teams deliver exact requirements on a detailed schedule, where deliverables will generate a level of cost savings and uh, incremental revenue. And, and once that project is funded, um, no one wants to admit um, or talk about if any of those things aren't happening perfectly, right? So there, there are many benefits to doing it differently with business transformation projects using, using Agile, right? And to make the case for Agile with business transformation, I look at a couple of things. One is work is made easier to manage by breaking it into smaller chunks. You have these minimal viable products, um, and that reduces the big, risky, and costly failures that you can experience with waterfall on a, on a large capitally intensive uh, business transformation project, right? You also get measurable value uh, value sooner with Agile. Agile means that the costs are actually predictable. There's more stakeholder engagement with Agile, and therefore there's more continued support ac- across the sprints from other functions. And you can learn, you have time to learn and adapt the changing conditions that are going on. The business doesn't stand still while you're doing these projects. So we take on this waterfall approach. The business is changing along the way and you're stuck, right? With Agile, you have these minimal viable products. You're delivering through sprints with the scrum teams, all this great Agile jargon, but you can adapt to changing conditions. And so with Agile, rather than having a fixed scope, budget, and timeline, Agile does what? It, it protects your having fixed capacity. If you have you have fixed capacity, you can only do so much with agile. So that forces your stakeholders to really prioritize. So so I think those are some of the benefits that I think of as I'm building a case for for, for agile, using it more and more through the company. Those are the things that I am that, that my team and I think about. So Kevin, is there a law of diminishing returns when you start thinking agile and use that as a way into doing innovation in the context of digital transformation? Because once you've, you've kind of squeezed the penny a little bit, how much more can you go? So I think, I think Nick actually identified the term that actually addresses the diminishing return, which is the minimum viable product. And I think that is, that is 
always the key for us. And and in my space, we have certifications. So we do have a minimum amount of requirements that we have to satisfy in order to call this solution ready for our production and our system of record. So identifying that minimum viable product to understand that at least this has to be done. It gives you the opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to go from a five-year DDI to this thing is 90 to 100% perfect to where I'm going to go to a two-year DDI and a two-year period in which I can have and consume that product, that shorter span that he mentioned, to be able to say that I have a product ready and it meets and it, and it supports my current continuity of business. And oh, by the way, I can start using this system and apply my agile, my lean principles from a business practice perspective and continuously improve that thing to exactly what I want and not wait three additional years to get something that may not be what I need and then get a level of understanding so that even if one of the things that you experience in many cases is over five years, your business practice changes, the market changes, the needs change. So you develop to this five-year window and you've had three to four years worth of change that you now have to go back and add additional capital and investment and opportunity costs to consume. Whereas you get that two-year window and those three years of continuous improvement are not only in investment that you're actually using, you're improving the the execution of your business and your business continuity. And for us, the other aspect for us that really came into play is failure early. That failure early enables you in large capital investment projects and DDI projects to understand where some of your assumptions were wrong and you can quickly course correct those things and pivot points earlier in the project because you're starting to see results. Even if you're not seeing the full solution, you see results early, like at the end of every sprint, you have something to evaluate and say, yes, this is good or no, it's not. So that failure early, those quick pivot points, the minimal viable product that says that at least this is done and my my continuity business satisfied, those are critical. And I do think I agree 100% with Nick on that. All right. So let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And so Nick, when we come back, let's talk about the type of muscle an organization needs for agile transformation and digital transformation. They're seemingly, they're different. But then could there be an overlap or could there be, um, could these people be going to the same gym, if you will, while building different muscles, but bring some common denominator. So you are not keeping these two activities in silos with total over-dependence on totally two different teams. How do you make that happen? How do you get these people to, continue to cross-train or continue to develop their muscles in such a way so that they can be interchangeable versus you having to have two teams for these two seemingly same project, but coming from different directions. So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Are you holding back from embarking on your transformation journey due to the uncertainty of business value and associated risks? What if you had a partner who could contractually guarantee cost, time, and effort saving, and new revenue potential from day one? Introducing Digital Managed Services by Hexaware. With its unique model, Hexaware turbocharges your digital transformation across both front and back office operations and delivers it at lower cost, reduced effort, improved efficiency, and higher straight-through processing while opening new avenues of revenue generation contractually guaranteed from day one. To learn more, visit Hexaware.com today. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Nick, you talk about strategy or the type of team you need or the different execution related consideration and criteria. What you need for digital transformation is not always, or maybe in most cases would be a little different than what you would do for agile transformation. It's like two different sets of people building two different sets of muscles, but our goal is to bring them together. So could there be one gym? Could these people be cross-training? Could we be building some of the common muscles so that we can get the best of both worlds and make it an agile digital transformation effort? Yeah, I think there's a strong connection, Sanjog, between what I would refer to like sort of the operating model for digital transformation and the operating model for for agile. Um, And I think they share a lot of similarities or as you referenced, you know, common denominators. If you think about transformation, you're often thinking about products Right? And Agile was born out of software development, um, the software development business and, and building products. Uh, there's this ap- adaptive business engagement when you think about Agile. And when you think about dis- business transformation and you're weighing, you're looking at different aspects of transformation, again, always focus on trying to build out revenue. There's lots of different ways of getting at that revenue. Uh, business engagement is certainly key in helping to you know, influence uh, the, the, the work, the minimal viable products you're, you're trying to achieve with, with Agile, right? Continuous delivery is another core tenant of Agile and transformations don't happen overnight. They're, they're, they're not, uh, they're not, they're sprints in some cases, but they do take uh, time to deliver the full, the full suite of, of, of capabilities that you want to have as, as an organization. You know, we have a number of businesses within Avery Denison that are going through digital transformations and, you know, in some cases we're building, uh, we're, we're taking products and we're connecting products using our RFID technology is a good example. Uh, other businesses, so that's one way we're tracking brand authentication to make sure that when someone buys uh, a particular brand, that, that brand, that product is authentic. And that's its own use case, right? Its own product that we build. It's a product that we, we, we build and sell. That's part of our transformation, right? So, uh, customer-centric design, or in other words, design thinking, uh, is something that's really key within within Agile. But it's also really important to, if you're looking at it from a digital customer experience point of view, with digital transformation, design thinking is a, a a fantastic tool, right? Application building blocks or platforms, another key tenant. Uh, so I think it's important. What's what's also important, I think, in all this is picking the right agile framework that matches your business digital transformation. Now, I'm not really an expert in this. Maybe Kevin can add more, but I think that there's differences between these different agile methodologies, these frameworks, and some don't really work as well with the transformation you're trying to bring on within your organization. 
I'll give you an example. There's one called SAFE. Um, and they're really designed for large scale projects, 50 to 125 members, you know, based on these lean principles that Kevin referenced earlier, there's systems thinking in there, there's building incremental value, value, you know, minimal viable products, decentralizing decision thinking, organizing around the value, which is very different from the less framework. But a very popular framework. We leverage that in, in pockets within Avery Dennison. We don't have one, we use a, f- a few. And as the name implies, it's a scaled-down version of this sort of one-team scrum uh, method, and it focuses the team members on one product at a time. Everyone focuses on one product at a time. So, And with SAFE, you can work on multiple products at a time. So I think the key is, is that both business transformation and agile organize around what? Developing products and services that deliver incremental business outcomes. And with traditional IT, it's really an all-or-nothing approach. That's how I, how I think about the two. So, Kevin, when you are looking at the, the, the different frameworks that Nick mentioned, and at the same time, even though you get different frameworks or maybe there you find a common denominator among the frameworks, one for digital transformation, another for agile, but we are still dealing with humans here. <laughs> Right. So, yep. would you, how how well does a framework commonality translate into these people be able to wear two hats at one time, or half of this and half of that? Yes, Sanjog, I think you hit exactly where I was going to go. I was waiting for you to get to that point, and and I think you called it out. I think the for us and me being a classically trained systems complex systems engineer. Um, I don't look at Agile as uh, anything other than what Nick mentioned earlier. It is the tool. So the challenge with the transformation in general, just speaking from a digital and business transformation, we use a separate methodology. And what I used was the ADCAR model for transformation. And because people are the common denominator in this scenario, it doesn't matter whether you're an engineer, whether you're a business practitioner or you're a developer, I have to transform your mind from thinking waterfall to this new way. And it means something different to each stakeholder. They have a different uh, level of ownership and outcome that they're looking for. So using the ADCAR model where the A is awareness, D is the desire to change. K is the knowledge that you need to change. A is the ability and the lack thereof to change. And R is the ability to reinforce and ensure one of the terms you, I know you like to use, that stickiness, that what is going to be there is going to be retained and it is sustainable. Those are the things that I focused in on to ensure that once I got my organization as a whole, not just my dev teams, but my organization as a whole, to overcome that level of effort and awareness, then we could implement the agility. And we use SAFE on large projects. I have two major projects, eight different scrum teams running together. And then we use a different methodology or model for our maintenance and operation and our continuous improvement on smaller uh, business cases. So for us, the agile perspective was less of the hurdle, more so just getting us to the point where we're ready to consume the digital transformation. And I think this is a a very good topic, marrying the digital transformation, the operational change management, and the continuous improvement aspects of both of these things marrying and coming together was critical. And I think ADCAR helped us overcome that so we could get to what methodology and framework we would use in the agile perspective. So Nick, what if people 
and leaders who are in some way connected to either of these initiatives move in and out, and that's bound to happen, right? I mean, life goes on and people leave in and out. Which of these initiatives are more resilient? Or in other words, how do we bring resilience so that this flux that happens among people, and frankly, all these transformations are people-driven. Yes, you have process which has certain value, frameworks which have certain value, but people are the ones who are embracing it. People are the ones who are running with it. Which one should we focus on to make it more resilient so it carries the weight of the other and it does not go on a sine curve as a transformation because people are going in and out of those groups or organizations? Yeah, I think the, with Agile, you really want to lock up those resources, right? That's you know, part of the principles of Agile is you have a dedicated team for a period of time to build out that, that work product, right? And, and I think that's a real key part of Agile. With, with transformation, you know, we have got... So, you know, we, we look at transformation at David Dennison and we, we look at digital business and we group it. It might be important for me to kind of spell this out. I know you're focusing more on transformation, but we also have digital optimization. So we have these four digital experiences and I won't, I won't go too long on this. I just want to give you a sort of a flavor. So we have, you know, one experience is digital customer experience, which shouldn't surprise anyone, right? So when, these are the platforms that leverage a host of AI-based technologies and, and software as a service to help drive uh, improve our relationships with our customers and drive satisfaction. So that's the, the customer. We have an employee engagement. We have an employee engagement experience program, a factory experience program, and then a, and a product experience program. So all of these are really important. And if I go across my business units, Sanjay, what I'll find is there's different people involved in these four experiences helping to drive, drive value in each of these experiences. I have a COE where I have tower leaders across all four. But the input that we get, the intake of work, and the thoughts on transformation and optimization come, come at us from all these different uh, aspects of the organization. We did digital ideation sessions this summer, past, this last past summer, and we had 419 ideas and how to add value to, across all four experiences. And then we're driving that with ex, uh, experiments and POC. So I think with digital transformation um, and optimization, I think in those categories, it's okay to have different people coming in and out and giving thoughts. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, you certainly want to have a strategy. The strategy is important, but once that strategy is built out, those initiatives that power that strategy can come, can come from different parts of the organization. You can't kind of control that, right? With Agile, I think you have to have resilience is that when you lock and load on a project, maybe Kevin thinks differently, but when I, when I, when I, tend, to, when I tend to, when I lock and load on a project, I try to keep those people locked in, including you know, IT and non-IT people locked in that project to be part of those sprints. You can go out of a... You can do four sprints and then you do a fifth sprint and bring different people in. But I don't like to change up the people too early on. But that answers, that's what I hope I'm answering what you were looking for there. No, absolutely. And so, Kevin, what have you seen? What are the best way to keep these transformation projects not go under or not kind of go on a sign curve or a roller coaster ride because people are going in and out? No, I, I agree with Nick 100%. Um, I think continuity of business is consistent. You know, you don't want to ever have a perspective that's driving to what your minimal viable product is going to be change and you go in a completely different direction. And I think one of the things we really focus in on, I think it's critical to identify a couple of things. I know Nick mentioned this earlier as well, is really focusing on who has the bandwidth because these are long-term projects and really understanding who's going to be there. And then you always have that risk associated with 
employee turnover and having that level of consistency. And one of the things we've tried to do is really look at, you know, just having that framework of critical thought, you know, looking at the who, what, where, when, why, and how, and then looking at where's our largest level of effort or the biggest gaps in those spaces that we need to capture and drilling down in and capturing that information and making sure that we have that consistency and then engaging. When you build your scrum teams, you know you have that consistency. But one of the things I've started to see, uh, Sanjog, is that individuals start to learn each other. They learn how each other thinks. They can almost, at the end of some of these projects and some of that trauma you go through with dealing with building and transformation, they can almost complete each other's thoughts. So it gets to a point where having that level of of consistency builds a consistent product and you know what to expect. So I think it's very critical to ensure that those teams, when they start together, they finish together as best possible. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, uh, Kevin, I would like to again come back to you and talk about a little bit of frustration and burnout. Because frankly, we are assuming that everyone who was there in the company, whether in IT or in business, they signed up for this roller coaster. Perhaps they did not. And then the people who always stay enthusiastic, want to learn new things. I'm not saying people don't like to learn new things, but if it, if it gets overbearing or if it continually uh, disrupts the way they do things, it could result in frustration and burnout. So we've got to take an average worker as well and not only the heroes. How do you prevent the frustration and burnout from, ha- from happening when you're trying to on one hand, fundamentally shift the business because you want to do digital transformation. And then you tell the guys and gals, folks, we've got to do the same thing 2x or 3x time faster. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Are you holding back from embarking on your transformation journey due to the uncertainty of business value and associated risks? What if you had a partner who could contractually guarantee cost, time, and effort saving, and new revenue potential from day one? Introducing Digital Managed Services by Hexaware. With its unique model, Hexaware turbocharges your digital transformation across both front and back office operations and delivers it at lower cost, reduced effort, improved efficiency, and higher straight-through processing while opening new avenues of revenue generation contractually guaranteed from day one. To learn more, visit hexaware.com today. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoe Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Kevin, move somebody from a cushy chair to a roller coaster chair and say it's not going to stop. How are you going to handle frustration, burnout, and people totally losing it? So the challenge, I had this challenge, and we, we, we experienced this where we had 
systems that were 23 years old on mainframe, going from green screen technology to a Salesforce cloud-based agile technology. And, you know, initially when we put our team through the training, they were super excited about the concept. But taking that train concept and then putting it into applied knowledge and experience are two different things. And one of the things I've experienced in continue to was with those individuals who had these these trains of thoughts that they've they've honed and developed over 23 years they're used to having a, a deep dive in some minute and minutia details and i had to retrain them to understand that the outcome is what you look at you look at velocity you don't look at uh, always look at what we would say earn value management from work plan versus earn per se. You look at the velocity of the work plan versus what was earned. And then you look at what the end result of your minimum viable product is. And that gets you to the formula, that mathematics of is it good enough for who it's for? And really helping them understand that you don't have to micromanage those details as you would in Waterfall. Why? Because you're going to have a pivot point. You're going to have a touch point where you can see it work. So if I can see it fail early, I don't have to worry about every single detail because I won't see it for five years. And once they, my teams, they were so, they were panicked, they were concerned. Once they got a chance to see everything that I've taught them and everything that I told them work, in one month, they got to see the work that they planned and they got to see the work executed. And then life goes on, you go to the next. So that experience in it, is always that first hurdle, that first few road bumps is are one of those things that they have to experience. So I don't think there's any magical uh, 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 lay, uh, uh, training that you can give anyone outside of them taking it and applying it and experiencing it. And you get that experience very early. So the risk is lower than it would be if you were in a waterfall environment. What have you done, Nick? Because um, if you look at those folks who came there for a journey and they are not those heroes, do you think you can be Pied Piper for them who don't want to follow you? Yeah, I, I think there's a, a number of, of tactics you can employ to, to really avoid this sort of burnout with, with Agile, right? And, and, and many of which, you know, I, I subscribed to all the ones that, that Kevin, Kevin addressed. I, I think, you know, key is, 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 I think it sounds like he did it, you know, listening to the team and understanding, you know, how these huddles to find out what's working well, what's not working well, and then really invite them Invite them to help you uh, solve it with them, right? I think it's really important that you, you have that empathy and you care deeply about what they're experiencing and, and you live it with them. I think that's one. Another thing I, I, I found is don't, you know, plan capacity at 80%. Don't plan at 100%. You know, the waterfall methodology, we've all used it for many, many years. You know, we typically try to plan at 100%. I don't know why we do that. It's like banging your head against the wall. With Agile, we make a, we're very purposeful in planning at 80% capacity, and I think it's also important to take, there's so many releases with Agile, there's so many releases that you have to take breaks, take a break. Maybe have people work on some other assignments, then come back and work on the next, the next sprint. I think that's another important. You know, I'll take a chapter out of, I'm, I'm, a, bit, I'm a big fan of Patrick Lencioni, and uh, he has some new work out there, if you maybe come across, called The Six Types of Working Genius. And if you've come across that and all, it's, it's fantastic, right? And he's got a, pod, he's got a podcast that... Uh, he does on, it's called At the Table. It's quite interesting. Just good practical advice for, for leaders and, and managers and everyone, really. And so, it's, it's, it's why I'm bringing that up. Why am I bringing it up in an agile conversation? It's that it helps you figure out, there's a little aptitude test type of test, I'll call it like a little test that you can take with your team. And it helps you figure out for each person what each person is good at. 
they, they help do a self-reflection. It's a quick and dirty kind of way of getting at a quick reflection about what their genius is and then applying them on where they can really use those muscles and use it well on, on the project. And that also helps avoid, avoid burnout and, and bring some fun into the team. If, you're, if your team's not laughing, we were laughing. I was working with my team this morning. We were just joking. And it was just, I said to one of my, one of my team members, I said, isn't it great that we have fun? Well, isn't that great? I mean, I had a, I did a background on Zoom with Bernie Sanders behind me. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't resist, you know, <laughs> as a background. And it was just we got, like, we got a really good kick out of it, you know. I think it's it's important to have fun and enjoy what you're doing. I think that also helps to avoid that burnout. But it's also important to look for uh, indicators of burnout. There are indicators you should look out for, which we, which we come to if you like, Sanjog. But there's things to watch out for that might lead to burnout. So. Let's talk about the security and business risks, which of course are inherent to any digital transformation because you're fundamentally shifting to something new. But then, Nick, if you were to slap on agility on top, so you're saying you're going to create, you know, those, you're going to drill holes into otherwise a secure fort and you're going to do it much faster. So you're, it's, it's a suicidal approach when you look at it from a security and a business risk lens. How do you prevent that? Yeah, I think it's important to separate your, your, your security team from the Agile project team. They're an extension of the team, but they're not managed by the project manager. Same, same should be said around the quality control team. It's a separate team that's it's assigned to the project, but managed separately. So in Agile development, testing needs to happen uh, early and it also happens often. As Kevin said earlier, you want to fail first or learn fa- first, f- fast, I should say, and fail fast and learn fast. So you're doing a lot of testing and, you know, waiting for development. You, you, so instead of waiting for the like, sort of development to be done um, before testing begins, you really want to test continuously through. And I include security testing, Sanjog, where you want to test for security vulnerabilities as well as defects early on. You know, unit string integration testing. You're look, also looking for vulnerabilities, right? Very important. And again, you're dealing with, usually dealing with, with for transformation, typically you're dealing with new products, things that you have not built before. Your company doesn't have a lot of muscle on that. So you're also looking at like, you know, some, some compliance, like SOC 2 compliance. You might be building a digital product that requires SOC 2 compliance from your customers. That requires a lot of testing, right? And a lot of documentation. So I, I think all, the last thing I would say on this is to avoid a lot of functional complexity because functional complexity usually brings on security issues. So you want to focus on, on one feature at a time and try to keep it as simple as possible and again, bring in that security team, bring in that quality control team very, very early and have good source code control. So uh, Kevin, Nick's response is spot on when it comes to, you know, when you're doing agile projects and how do you ensure security and digital, uh, sorry, uh, like any other type of agile projects. But now if you were to put it in the digital transformation context, something entirely new, something in a totally different domain or rather something no one in the organization truly may have tried before. It's almost like an innovation project. So the security and the business risk constraints are also not, I would not say fully unknown, but there could be many other facets which we will uncover. They will reveal themselves. And then you're trying to also introduce agility in there. What would, what, what guardrails would you put? So even though you're going on that digital transformation, even though you try to push people or you try to push agility into that transformation effort, 
you would not derail yourself from a security and a business risk standpoint. Yeah, I, I think that um, what I did and I had to preach to my team was self-awareness. Um, you have to be true with who you are. You also have to be true to who you are not. And that led us to look at outsourcing to expertise who have done this type of work before, who can come in with a plan, with a product, with a, with a roadmap and consume our architecture, our roadmap and our plan, bridge the gap, and then bring my team in as a part of their DDI team. So we get that ingrained experience and both hands-on and working with that group and then making sure that that knowledge transfer path is there. And at the same time, separating the powers, separating my quality control group, my PMO group, and my security group, and ensuring that they have the appropriate level of access and, and power. And one of the things I did was also identify the gap and separate quality assurance and quality control really separating that power so that my quality control can identify, is there a problem? Is there, a, is there an issue? And then my quality assurance can do the evaluation. They could do the analysis and impact analysis to truly understand where there are challenges, if there are challenges, even if there are circumstances that we didn't plan for, the unknown unknowns. We understand what that unknown unknown has as an impact. And at the same time, my team is ensuring that they're getting a chance during the capital investment so that when we get to an operational investment, the risk is low because we had that level of expertise brought in. My team is already sufficient in maintaining systems for 20 years. They again get the ability to start to maintain these systems that they had a hand in developing. So basically reducing our risk by bringing in expertise that we may not have and understanding that we don't have it and be comfortable with consuming that and, and building that relationship so that we know what we're doing and we know what we're getting in long term. And it's not just someone dropping a product off. We were there to understand and experience it. KPIs, agile transformation or digital transformation, both could have their own respective KPIs if they were being kept as two separate projects. But here we are dreaming an agile digital transformation. What would some of the KPIs look like, Nick, which would form a solid foundation for someone to use as benchmarks because what we improve or what we measure is what we improve and what we improve is what gets us to the success milestone. Yeah, I, I think it's helpful to, to categorize metrics and, and I can simplify by maybe thinking of really two, two categories uh, relative to agile and, and digital transformation. So first, I would say, you know, what are the things to measure with stakeholders? And the answer in my mind is value delivery, right? And that would be the first sort of bucket of, of metrics. And the other bucket of metrics would be around, what are the key things to measure about teams? This is where you're getting at Agile, which is speed and quality. So those are the buckets that I think about when I think about metrics relative to this question, right? So value delivery metrics are around the percent of revenue from new digital sources, this is all about transformation, right? The percentage of net margin from new digital sources, uh, the percent, percent of interactions that are digital, uh, the marketing spend that's now digital, right? The speed to market. These are really critical business impact metrics, business satisfaction, the customer NPS score, but also internal satisfaction also I think is important, particularly with optimization. If you, if you move to 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 the measure about teams, we think about speed and quality, right? Sanjog and I think that 
you know, the percent of projects delivered on time. I would say, of course, that's a measure that we measure across every type of IT project, but average release time is, is important for Agile. You know, delivering on scope, delivering on budget, um, reciprocity from stakeholders. So are you getting the rest? So again, as we talked about earlier, it's important that your stakeholders stay engaged throughout the Agile project. So are they giving you the reciprocity? We measure, we measure our partnership from, we, we do surveys to measure how well are we performing with partnerships with our stakeholders and how well are they performing with us? Are they giving us what we need to be successful with them? Um, and then of course, number of defects around quality, average time of defect resolution. So these are all, these are things that we, we think about, like at least come to mind now on, on the spot here, around uh, measuring digital transformation and measuring agile. One last question for you, Kevin. If you had to build brand new leadership muscle, which would make you even more effective than what you have been so far in dealing with digital transformation and agile transformation so that you can deliver an agile digital transformation, what would those muscles be? I think um, those muscles for me primarily focus around um, understanding the business understanding the need um, and, and echoing some of the things that Nick just mentioned, the continuity of the business and being able to understand um, the impact that you have on the organization. It requires one of the things I think is real critical and key, and Nick mentioned earlier as well, empathy. Being able to put yourself in the situation of the business so that you and when you're in the conversation and you're driving and you're on behalf of some business units, you're making those decisions because you're in a rapid development, rapid deployment solution. You have to be able to understand the business. So I think for a CIO, it requires you to step out of that technical space, become water and enter into the space of being the business practitioner, being your COO, understanding what his challenges are, understanding what every decision, every impact, every change, every situational awareness information that you can consume, how it impacts the outcome of your organization. I think it is critical. So you have to transition from being a technical person to a business person, to a financial leader, to operational leader, and really look at, am I increasing the time to produce or am I reducing the time to produce? So for me, I think it was critical for me as a CIO to come in and I learned how to be a practitioner for child welfare, how to be a practitioner for child support. And what does that mean to the business and how does my systems impact? And that was really critical for me to even think about how I can produce a successful digital transformation that impacts my overall organization. Once again, thank you so much, Nick and Kevin, for sharing your insights about how organizations can successfully leverage Agile Manifesto for the digital transformation efforts. Thank you, uh, Sanjay. I really enjoyed being on and, uh, you know, I enjoyed contributing, but also learning from, from my colleague here, Kevin. I really appreciate uh, his, uh, his thoughts and, and, and ideas on, on, on this topic. It's really important and great questions, Sanjay. As always, you've got great questions for us. Yes, Sanjay and Nick, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of the conversation. And I, too, learned as much as um, I would have loved to in the last hour. And I also think the questions were amazing. I think they're very relevant and they touched me um, in actual practice and what we had to do as well. So thank you, sir. 
And listeners, please uh, like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Pinterest, and subscribe to our podcasts. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.